Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for May 3rd, 2020, uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter. We are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana, or live from Holy... We're not really coming live from there either, like we made the joke last week. But uh, in the vicinity of Fishers, Indiana, uh, uh, but uh, I guess we're coming to you not live from the world of online. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, cyberspace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're fourth Sunday of Easter. Uh, um, I think our, uh, inarguably, uh, the strangest Easter we've had. Um, for sure. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I, I have enjoyed, um, um, uh, the um, seeing other people uh, during our online watch parties, but it was admittedly not the same uh, as getting to celebrate Easter with uh, uh, all the parishioners in person. Um, uh, not my cup of tea. I, I hope I hope that uh, other people have been able to find that um, some at least semi rewarding. Uh, but uh, but uh, man, really miss spending uh, uh, Easter time with. Uh, with everybody in person so we miss you all hope you're safe and sheltering um but, very much uh, so uh well uh let and, me... oh, and be assured and be assured i just want to say this explicitly you're doing the right thing by staying home and sheltering that is <laughs> how right. we're loving our neighbor that's right uh we are we, that that is a, a firm belief uh uh from us in the uh the episcopal church that uh sheltering in place is the correct thing um um to, to be doing with not uh and not, not just to... because we all have bad haircuts now <laughs> bruce i can't even tell you how bad it is right now for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you and uh your wife bethany are the parish musicians so we get to see every week how you, your grooming is <laughs> you you do uh i am i am reaching a breaking point in that area uh because i have curly hair uh and it's fairly well hidden uh, for a certain length uh, and I am reaching that point where it will be inarguably noticeable um, and start to really go crazy. <laughs> so it's time for you to go get your poodle cut? Uh, it, it might be the old-fashioned bowl cut. Uh, it, really will, it really might. <laughs> no, actually, Bethany's uh, quite skilled. She did uh, 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 our teenage daughters uh, the other the other week, and uh, it looks fantastic. So I will be in good hands, but right now I'm actually enjoying uh, not doing any of it. Uh, <laughs> no stylizing and no no worries whatsoever uh, about it. Um, uh, still, still staying clean, I will say that. I, uh, that well, yeah. But, but that is... Uh, that is about where it ends. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so let's let's uh, let's try our hand at our word of the week or word of the day. Okay. And uh, this week it's it's actually two words, but uh, we're 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 gonna go with it. Uh, this week's word is lower criticism. Oh man. And I will give you a hint in that there oh, is good. a lower criticism and there is a higher criticism. Okay, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Did you, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's one of these things where I, I don't think I've heard that phrase since seminary over 30 years ago, but it, it tickled a brain cell or two, and so higher criticism came up. Um, okay, I, I'll just say I don't know right now. 
Um, it is. Uh, let me give you one more hint and see if that tickles okay. anything further. It's most often called text criticism. Yeah, I knew that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're so close. Uh, I it, am so close. It has. To, I know it has to do with how do we, how we interpret scripture. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, is this the one that? Is is closer to a literal interpretation of the Bible? Um, I would say, by the way of the definition, that it is neither closer nor further. Okay. That, it, okay. that it doesn't really... Um, that doesn't come into it. I mean, I guess one could make the argument that it does, and that it's, 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 it's going away from uh, literalism. Um, but uh, let me say... So... It reads this way, that this method of scriptural analysis, most often called text criticism, focuses on the Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic text of a particular portion of scripture, and it works from the conclusion that we do not have any original copies of any scriptural material. And so when one manuscript is not exactly the same as another, it is necessary to find a way to determine which text is closest to the original. Uh, uh, and because there are many scriptural manuscripts from different times and places, most of the arguments are based on how and why scribes might be the cause of the differences. So that's focusing on the, 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 the human interaction of, of, uh, script, uh, of the change right. of scripture. Um, so the primary principle is the, the assumption that the text which is hardest to explain is likely the earliest. If we can explain why a scribe at a certain time and place might have caused a specific reading, then it is likely the particular reading is non-original. And many scholarly Hebrew and Greek texts print of a revision of the material, which the critics have argued is the, is the most original, with the significant manuscript variations listed at the bottom of the page. Right. <laughs> I knew that! <laughs> So what I find what I find interesting about this though is it doesn't exactly explain what the difference between like why that is lower criticism as opposed to higher criticism <laughs> like it doesn't exactly explain what the lower portion of it is um, so I guess you have to go, go to higher criticism uh, to figure it out yeah I'll, I'm just going to take a, uh, a educated guess I am willing to say that much for it. I believe higher criticism is called that because because in in theory it holds the text in higher esteem. And lower criticism is a bit more cynical about the text and so is seen to hold the Bible in a lower esteem. I may be wrong about that, but I think I may be right too. And for, and just to to play out the game here, uh, it is lower criticism that most Episcopal uh, scholars, clergy, lay people will utilize. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so, you know, as we've been doing these podcasts, often I've, I've mentioned that other translations don't even have that word in there. Or the, um, well, I know what frequently has come up lately is because the first English translations had, I remember one of them was fear of the Lord instead of respect of the Lord. It mm. has stuck with fear through the centuries, literally. Mm. Um, and that's the, the lower criticism would be going back to the Greek and Hebrew 
and mm -hmm. which I do very poorly, but like to, and saying that oh, you know, this really this is where it's really about. The other part of um, this approach is the shorter version is presumed to be the older version as well. Oh. That people okay. ascribe is less likely to drop a word than add a word. Okay, that makes some sense. Um, now, yeah. now, I'm trying to remember, so, so you just said that you thought lower criticism was the more highly critical? Yeah. Or the other way around? Highly critical is fine. Um, hold is is willing to take with a grain of salt what is seen on the English page of a Bible, whereas the higher criticism is less likely to want to delve deeply into the translation. Hmm. So uh, our, our uh, listeners get a twofer this week. Uh, so here is... Oh, so you have looked it up. Good. Here is higher criticism. Uh, the, the method of, of scriptural, scriptural interpretation uh, is considered a step beyond text criticism or lower criticism because it's dealing, it deals with larger historical problems. Source oh, criticism, so that's completely wrong. <laughs> source criticism, form criticism, redaction criticism, and narrative criticism are the most widely used higher, quote-unquote, higher methods. Yeah, uh, I was completely wrong. <laughs> So, so lower criticism is the first step, uh, and and uh, it, to to go a step beyond would be higher criticism. So it's it's just um, um, which I do it, which we've done these podcasts as well. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So we've been giving the listeners both lower, higher, and inaccurate. <laughs> A lot of the inaccurate uh, portions are coming from on my end, I will admit. Um, but yes. Well, yes I'm just thinking true. over the last five minutes. <laughs> you, get a, you, get a, you get a great example and an encapsulation of our podcast right there. Yes. <laughs> Lower criticism, higher criticism, and inaccurate criticism. I'm going to look and see if inaccurate criticism is a word. It is not. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that's when I get to copyright. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. Uh, so uh, without any further ado, let us delve into our lower and higher criticisms here as we uh, go into our readings for the week. And uh, like I said, the fourth Sunday of Easter, uh, we are still uh, pulling from Acts. Um, we are again pulling from First Peter. And again, from John. So, Acts, uh, if anyone remembers, is picking up uh, right where we left off uh, last week. Um, and um, uh, it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 uh, to 47. And that reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread and at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, Bruce, I have to... I have to admit, I, I've got two things to say here, but I have to admit first, it does kind of feel like this reading could have very well, and maybe 
uh, would have been uh, uh, well seen as the end cap to last week's reading. Uh, why did we break these two readings apart uh, for lectionary purposes? It kind of feels like um, this is a nice summation of, of, of last week's Acts reading. Well, I think mostly it's because, frankly, it gives uh, people <clears throat> pondering these scriptures two weeks to ponder these key uh, passages. Okay. Um, and this week, particularly, the uh, 2 verses 42 through 47 is seen as one of the, the key summaries within Acts of how Luke saw the early Christians in action. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so in a sense it was worth repeating but also there are a few other there are a few nuances here mm -hmm. um, that aren't, had, not, had not yet been described like the selling their possessions and goods and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need that's the first time this appears oh okay yeah that's uh, only I mean, in chapter 2 after all that is true that's, it's very early on um, uh, the other thing that I was going to bring up uh, I don't know. This is really going to test your memory. Um, last week, we did a word of the day that plays right into, uh, and, and specifically on the dictionary website, uh, references Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Do you remember what that word was? No, I do not. Uh, it was a K word. Does that help? Oh, Kairos. Close. Oh, Konania? Yes, Konania. Okay. Uh, so, so the uh, uh, communion or fellowship uh, participation uh, uh, Greek term, and uh, that is one of the examples of uh, Konania, right. is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So the acts uh, that they do together. Oh, see? See what I said? See what I did and there? Yeah. <laughs> Very nice tie-in, but <laughs> but really you have to include forty-five. Yeah, it's really all of it uh, in a way. Forty-six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of of how did they do that? And it was because they were sharing with everyone, and um, you know they weren't returning back to their own homes and microwaving their own dinners. Instead, they were truly living in a uh, communal type of mm -hmm. lifestyle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I just want to add to that, we aren't sure if it's historically accurate. There's quite a bit of scripture that contradicts this, particularly in the letters of Paul, and even within the book of Acts itself, that the from the very beginning, Christians were in conflict with each other about mm. how, how much they had to share, when they had to share food, things like that. You may, may remember from 1 Corinthians, Paul has to give them a big scolding about uh, how people were not sharing after the Eucharist. They were not sharing at the parish supper, so to speak, but instead brought in their own picnic baskets, and some had opulent meals and some had none, and there mm. was no sharing going on whatsoever. So, mm. And Paul's earlier than Luke. In terms of timeline, so some of the theory is Paul is trying to tell his audience, "Look, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is the ideal. 
perhaps even knowing that the ideal had not yet been hit. Interesting. So, so it was more of a projection of of um, the societal standards that the, that that he wanted to see, rather than a an accurate reporting of what was going on. Right, which people do all the time in in writing histories. I mean, humans do constantly. Uh, write about the past with an eye on the present of how mm. they want people to behave, and this is a m most scholars believe this is Luke doing that. Hmm. I was going to say, sounds... no one else mentions this, even though there are lots of other writers um, about the early church, even though even beyond the scriptures, and no one talks about this amazing generosity within the community. There is some mention of them doing a good job of sharing and caring, but nothing to the level that Luke describes here. Yeah, I was going to say, it, 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 it sounds pretty fantastic, right? I mean, I, I, the, um, all who believed were together and had all things in common, they'd sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, and like, wow, holy cow, how come we never heard of this, uh, this you know, New Garden of Eden <laughs> that they right, created, right? And uh, and and there's no record of it, and how come? How what happened to those uh, those approaches, and how come they didn't last? But uh, um, this ne may never have existed <laughs> in the first place, right? And and the way to to give both sides of the argument a, a bit of time, the alternative theory is that. When the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, mm -hmm. all of this became impossible. Mm. This, the, this communal life. And Christians and Jews both were all scattered. Mm -hmm. And so it was a golden time until the Romans came along and completely squashed both Jewish and Christian life, which were thoroughly intertwined um, up to, until, uh, under the Roman occupation. There wasn't distinct communities on that score. Um, but, again, even documents from the Roman time, like Paul's letters, do not say, wow, you guys are doing such a good job in living exactly as Christ taught us. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, um, it would have been nice. It would, it would be nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, the um, especially... Yeah, it especially uh, uh, strikes my mind uh, in in new tones uh, as I'm sheltering in place. Uh, the idea of spending time together and breaking bread and eating their food together with with glad and generous hearts and um, it would be really nice to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, so, um, but that is interesting that the, that that this might might have been a. Uh, an, an attempt to um, persuade uh, people to to right as as opposed to an, an accurate accounting. Um, mm -hmm. Anything else about? I mean, this is the the, the, the tail end of the story about uh, Peter. Uh, we, we've read from this chapter three or four weeks in a row now. Yeah, we're, um, we've been with it for a while. Yeah. Um, so, and day by day, the Lord added to their number. Um, um, I guess the only other, uh, other comment that I would make uh, is uh, um, th this day and age, reading, I, I shouldn't say this day and age because I just said that in my last comment, but uh, 
in in the modern age, uh, having all things in common, uh, we have we've actually seen um, some of the, the the downsides of of doing things like that of of surrounding ourselves with um, people who all think the same way that we do, and and uh, so there's also there, there's there's a potential downside to to only uh, being surrounded by um, uh, like-minded individuals and uh, that, that we probably would not have experienced until uh, uh, we became so such a global um, um, uh, species of, 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 of people. The, the human um, humanity has, has gotten to the point where we're global and, and, uh, and surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals has, has led to some, some less than ideal, um, outcomes. Well, and that's, that's what, that's where you can insert the knowledge that we can even see in this passage, they were not isolating themselves. They were, mm-hmm. um, worshiping in the temple. They were not worshiping simply with other Christians or worshiping with anyone who is Jewish and, so there would have been quite a bit of um, disagreement about hmm. theology and morals, ethics, scripture interpretation, uh, even as they were living out a, a life of simplicity. Uh, it was not a life of harmony. Hmm. That, uh, and that is and we point. can see that in Paul's letters and even within the book of Acts, that it's there's one conflict after another within the within the Christian communities, and particularly in the Book of Acts, it's clear that Christians are not removed from Jewish society or um, Roman society either. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, that, that is that's a good point because it is it, it's not expressly written because the the author is currently focusing on the. Uh, the kumbaya portion of uh, living yes. <laughs> uh, that he wants to draw attention to. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess, I suppose as you read in between the lines, that would, uh, that would imply still that there's, uh, there's still ample opportunity for um, um, disagreement and discussion. This would not have been um, removing oneself from the rest of society and living in a commune with, with, like-minded individuals, this would have been still, um, still would have been part of the the bigger po- the larger population. Yeah, in the in the <clears throat> verse that follows, where this passage concludes, it describes Peter and John going to the temple for prayer with at the, at the appointed hour. So it's not the, <clears throat> the Christian service they're going to; they're going to the the regular daily Jewish um, prayer time. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it they're again just very much a part, or that can sound weird orally. They were very much integrated still into mm-hmm. the Jewish society, and as we'll hear, as they gain more people who want to know about Jesus, that they're also having lots of encounters with uh, Romans and people from other nations as well. Yeah, I th- I think it's interesting that 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 point that Christians and, and, and Jews at the same time would have been worshiping together, going, going to temple together. It's, it's not, I think that gets lost, uh, because when these, um, 
when these uh, books were written, when these texts were written, uh, it was common understanding. It wouldn't have been anything that anyone would have taken the time to actually write down. Um, yeah. But with with years of both those religions having gone their own routes, um, it's like an assumption uh, to the to the modern reader, like, oh, you know. Yeah, you know, this is this is the Christian church. You know, they're going to the yeah. Christian church to pray, and <laughs> not quite a realization of like, oh yeah, you're, they're the same at this point. They're they're the same group of people. Yeah, and there's a story that occurs, I believe, both in non-sacred texts as well as in the Bible, of James, the brother of Jesus, being executed. Now I'm forgetting by which Roman official, um, thinking that that would make that Roman official higher in the eyes of the Jewish leaders, and it had the opposite effect. Hmm. Um, that instead what came down on that guy's head was, we all loved James. What the heck are you doing? He was one of the wisest men in Jerusalem. We all took our problems to him. He was so holy and insightful. Why'd you go and kill him? Hmm. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, uh, really, really still very much intertwined. Uh, right. Uh, for for right. many, many years. Uh, yeah. After, uh, even after the death of, of, of Christ. Um, mm -hmm. And anything else about Acts? I, we still get to nope, continue I think that's reading it. from it. Yeah. Uh, uh, these weeks, uh, we're, we're, we're jumping into Acts uh, full force. So we'll, we'll, have more opportunities. Uh, right. Well, then, um, a, a quick point that uh, the psalm this week is the uh, the uh, the Lord's Shepherd. Uh, so twenty uh, third psalm, a common uh, commonly known psalm. So we'll get to recite something familiar. Um, yeah. Our second reading is going to be First Peter chapter two, verses nineteen through twenty five, and it reads. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to you, for, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit, deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Um, so... I can kind of see where this uh, this reading uh, might encourage uh, flagellism, and and, and <laughs> hopefully pronounce that well enough that people understood. Yeah, that I said flagellism, not <laughs> flatulism, because um, <laughs> uh, they're very similar sounding. But it does you can kind of see where there's like if people take certain texts literally, that it's like, oh yeah, this is why you should be punished and suffer physical pain and it says right there in first peter <laughs> that you should you should endure pain while suffering unjustly um, um 
But uh, I don't think that that's the point of the, no. the author is trying to make. <laughs> and, yeah, and one of the interesting things is that um, verses 22 to 25 are actually a quotation of an ancient hymn. That was going to be my second question. Okay, so oh, an, okay. an ancient hymn, because verse 22 is in parentheses. So I was right. going to ask where that was coming from. So it's an ancient hymn? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and so this is um, yeah, one of those things of the author saying, you all know this song, come on. You should know this stuff really well. Hmm. Um, though the quote's actually from Isaiah 53. So that, oh. that's why that part's in quotes. Okay. Part of the okay. suffering servant um, mm -hmm. motif. Um, so it's it's one of these things where people can take things way overboard. And <laughs> sure. what um, humans sometimes, and I'll put it this way, what some Christians fail to do is to realize that suffering just happens. You don't have to go out and find it. Mm -hmm. Or inflict it on yourself. Instead, be aware, keep your eyes open, and you will, in fact, encounter suffering, whether it's through appropriate empathy or just what life does to you. Hmm. And so that's really what this is about. Um, and that we're not supposed to, you know, the first verse in the reading, verse 19, for it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly, um, that it's just going to happen. It's not saying, go buy a whip and do it to yourself. Right. Or you know, make sure you don't wear shoes when you're walking a gravel road so that you can have some extra time of penance and make God happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That ain't what it's about. No. No, no, no. It's, in, it's instead that when life inevitably gives us times of suffering, God is with us in that. Right. And I think, I, I think the other point that, he, that the, the author is trying to make um, is, is um, that sometime do, sometimes doing the right thing is hard. Yeah. Um, um, when you are chastised or punished or made to feel bad uh and it's justly <laughs> it's you know it's a it's a just response to uh your actions if you've done wrong um that's what you should expect uh but uh it, it's kind of the author pointing out that it's it's even it's really it's harder to still in the face of adversity uh or um, um, doubt uh, to to still do the right thing, and that that's uh, that that God really does appreciate uh, uh, when you do the right thing because oftentimes the right thing is not the easy thing. It's a, yeah, it's or, not the it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not, not your, popular. Right, it's not your base response usually. It's it's a uh, it's something that you have to um, uh, think about and and mm -hmm. meaningfully do. So, um, I think to me, at least that seems to be the, the more likely point. Um, I'm not sure if the, you know, sometimes in this podcast we get into 
um, what the original word might have been for this text. I, it makes me wonder whether or not um, the original text used the word pain. Um, it seems a very specific, uh, very specific yeah, word I... that doesn't quite fit the author's point. <laughs> <laughs> well, but um, I mean, it fits in with the theme of the verses that, and well, I mean, we're we're living in a society that's not used to having corporal punishment part of our everyday experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the society that um, the author of First Peter was living in, yeah, it was very common um, for that's a good both point. part of the legal system and just the, the social norms that if you did something wrong or if you just offended someone more powerful than you, you could get a beatdown. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it could happen willy nilly. The Roman soldier walking by could in fact beat you to an inch of your life and have no penalty as long as you're not a Roman citizen. Right. Yeah. And and most of the people Peter was writing to would not have been Roman citizens, even though they lived within the Roman empire because citizenship was not something that was universal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there was definitely a class system there and and citizenship was, was, it came with a lot of perks and a lot of people did not have that within the Roman empire. Um, but, um, although interestingly enough, uh, side, side note on that, uh, um, citizenship, uh, really didn't bear any, didn't bear as much, uh, based on who your parents were. Certainly no. that was a factor. Um, but it was not like automatic, you're, right. You're not a, you're a Roman citizen only because you're parents were Roman. It was, it was something that could be very, very much earned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that, that is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, you had to demonstrate your loyalty to the emperor in order to be a Roman citizen. Right. Um, so, um, what is, is that kind of the bent of this author is that is more just living in uh, a society that had so much, corporal punishment that, uh, uh, that was so deeply rooted in, uh, and it is the reason why, uh, he's using this kind of language to, to, uh, to discuss, um, doing, doing right and doing, and doing God's, uh, the things yeah. that would win God's approval just because it was such a common thread in their lifestyle. I think so. Okay. And, and certainly Christ was the ultimate example of that. Um, yeah, you know, the, yeah, which is the why he ultimate spends... innocent person who suffered both corporal punishment and capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's why so he it, spends it, so many verses there uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, yeah. Christ being the example. Right, and that God's fully aware that this is what's happening. God doesn't avert God's eyes because it's mm-hmm. um, so offensive to God or something, or or makes God scared instead of, you know, God does know this is happening. God experienced it on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so very much knows what you, what you are experiencing and is with you in it, even in the injustice of that, of that experience. Yeah. I guess this is it's not uh, God's will that that happens. It's what people right. do to each other. And I guess, 
in, in a way, this text is preparatory, right? It, it's kind of the author saying, look, I know what's going on. I've, I've heard the stories. I've gotten reports. People are being um, targeted by yeah. the government uh, for speaking and thinking this way. And um, this is my attempt to identify yes i am aware that it's going on and it's that it's going to happen and i'm telling you that um not not to falter still right stay the, stay the course don't abandon these beliefs because uh i know it's hard but um um it doesn't mean god is wrong right exactly exactly right um anything else on first peter not at this point, and I believe we still get to play with them next week. Yeah, I believe so. Still in, the, still in our sandbox of toys. Yes. Um, so uh, let's move over then to the gospel reading, which is John chapter 10, verse 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who's en who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, so this is parable-esque. Uh, 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 or yes, that's a good it, way to put it. Because it doesn't quite exactly land the same way uh, most of the parables do. Um, yeah, and it's not quite a, a, an analogy either. Right. Um, <clears throat> I, it, and, it's, and it's the only time in John that you get a parabolic uh, structure in one of Jesus' teachings. So it, Really? You, you really get extra credit for pointing that right out. Huh. Hey, well... <laughs> let's shut this thing down it will not get better this than is your, this is your walk off this is my moment it's been it's been two years we made it I finally said something interesting um before bruce did um yeah it's it's that is fascinating though that it's the because you really think of the gospels being chock full of parables Right, um, but this is the only time that John bends that way in his storytelling. Yeah, yeah, interesting. That's that's. I wonder why. It's because it seems with with as many parables as there are, it seems as though that's kind of a, a staple of Jesus and the way he communicated with people. Um, I find but, but it not interesting. In John. But yeah. I find it interesting that that maybe he just never liked it and it never landed for him. Like, yeah, you're always doing those parables. It was kind of weird. <laughs> it didn't work for me. I like the other stuff. <laughs> well, and, and what, what we get, don't get to know in this lifetime is 
the author of John's perspective on the other three Gospels or awareness of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's some evidence that he knew Mark pretty well, Gospel of Mark pretty well, mm -hmm. and that implies that he could have known the Gospels of Luke and Matthew as well. So it's possible that he simply decided, you know, they already got all the good parables. I'm going right. to say what's not written down yet. Yeah, that's a that's a that, that's a very interesting perspective to put forward. Uh, that um, the author, the, Luke, Luke as well, uh, John's the, I should say, from our perspective, the youngest, right? Right. Um, um, so, but but Luke as well would have had ac access to Matthew and Mark. Right. Um, that's and, that's really clear by the overlaps. Right. And so, not only did you know, was there. Um, there would have had to have been influence, but but that's an interesting perspective that you would have you point out that having read those other gospels, that perhaps John is going, I want to fill in the cracks. I want to get the stuff that people didn't cover. Yeah, that that maybe you know a, a perspective that I feel or a narrative that I feel is not currently being tended to. So here's some of the stuff that I feel like they might have missed. Or a perspective that they're not hitting on, um, yeah, and that's a that's an interesting way to view. It, it'd be it'd be really hard to filter things through that perspective as we go through lectionarily. It definitely seems a, a a a method that would be much more fulfilling reading beginning to end in in kind of like a sitting or two. Um, yeah, and, and viewing it through that lens. Um, so definitely, so so homework for everybody listening. Um, uh, <laughs> Very but, healthy uh, homework. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the and th just this, before ahead. we leave the parable piece, mm -hmm. just to be explicit, this does not occur in any other gospel. Okay. Okay. This so this is... would also be could fulfill my pet my made up theory mm -hmm. that. John was, to put it your way, filling in the cracks. That, yeah. Okay, all the other good parables are there, except for the gate one. I got to use <laughs> <Right>. that one. <laughs> Come on, Mark, you forgot the gate. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the, uh, it, it does feature one of, you know, my favorite thing uh, uh, of all time, which is uh, they did not understand, the disciples not understanding what he's talking about. Um, right. Uh, so verse verse six tickles me pink. I love it when, when that happens. But um, it is, and, and maybe this is the reason why it stands out, he's like, um, we're, we're used to being the sheep in these stories. Like, that's the first place that we go to, right? Shepherd and right. sheep. Like, we're trained. We're sort of trained into that. Exactly. From Isaiah and other places in the Hebrew scriptures. Right. And Jesus points out who, it says flat out, the thieves and the bandits uh, uh, were, you know, false prophets who came before me. Um, and, and, uh, you didn't listen uh, to them, which is rightly so. Um, but what I find interesting, and he doesn't ex expressly say it, he's all the other things in the parable though. He's the right. gate, he's the gatekeeper. One would assume that he implies that he is also the shepherd. Uh, right. he is flat out saying, <laughs> you know, implying it. So well, he's, he says it in the verse right after we end. I oh, am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I was I was wondering whether or not he, he actually, but he he plays all the other roles. Uh, yeah. So maybe that's the reason why it stood up. How'd you forget the gatekeeper story? Jesus was 
all the char- all the characters and objects in the whole story. It was the it was the the strangest thing I'd ever heard. It was a parable where he was he played all the roles and the scenery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was some kind of postmodern drama. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> right. One wonders it's if it's not Agatha Christie. <laughs> One wonders if the disciples still, at, at the after he explains it, and this is pretty point blank, if they still go, wait, what? How are you? How are you the gate and the gatekeeper, Jesus? I'm a little lost on this story. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other, yet another interesting thing about this passage is, and this this is common in John. It's very ambiguous about who he's talking to, because mm. the the last audience mentioned are the Pharisees. Oh, so perhaps this is not the disciples that I'm understanding. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, you took one away from me. That makes (laughs) sense. No. (laughs) Maybe you were, well, anyway. (laughs) We presume it's the disciples because we want to be the audience. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad perspective to have, obviously, when it's Jesus' teachings. But if if we really sit down and read it through... The last people gathered around Jesus were the Pharisees in an argument back and forth, a theological argument, and mm-hmm. then he starts saying this. But we also know, since this is in chapter 10, we've been reading this gospel for a while, uh, if we're reading it right through, we also know that John sometimes is a little sloppy about to whom and when is Jesus making one of his long speeches. Oh, so he's not much of a he's he's a not much up for the narrative. He just wants to focus on the narrator. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Who, and who, cares, who cares about the setting and what was going on? And yeah, most of the time Jesus he talked. On, what more do you want to hear? Yeah, <laughs> most of the time he only refers to things, um, details if they reinforce the story. Hmm. Hmm. That again, an, an interesting perspective that you wouldn't get uh, pulling apart snippets uh, from from the readings. Yeah. Uh, only only by reading it whole. We should do that sometime. We're gonna have to do that uh, sometime here soon. We'll have a, we'll have a whole side pod quest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, in the Episcopal Church and in many other Christian traditions over the last three years. Maybe it's been going on. No, it's been going on a few more years than that. There have been very intentional. We're going to read through this gospel over these two months, mm. and uh, I forget which one's right now in the Episcopal Church. They call it the Good Book Club. If anyone wants to Google yeah. that, and they have been going through the Gospel of John. They may have finished it by this point. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a good spiritual practice and. Uh, very common across Christian traditions and denominations now and obviously for hundreds, hundreds if not almost 2,000 years. Yeah. Um, anything else about um, Just this one story? thing. Sure. The bandits. Mm-hmm. The, the bandits was a term, almost uh, a slang term, for false messiahs. Okay. And... As we've said just a couple times, I think, through the podcasts, there were 
a lot of messiahs walking around the Holy Land when Jesus was born. Obviously, they were false messiahs, but gathering disciples and preaching and giving instructions how to live lives and things like that. And, and Jesus calls them bandits because they are pulling people away from God. And you know, people are getting off track because of these false messiahs. So they're um, rustlers, cat like cowboy movie cattle rustlers. Hmm. Um, and, but in this case, instead, they call them bandits. Huh. I yeah, wonder, so that, that I wonder wasn't why. just Jesus' term. I wonder why. Well, because because they were, well, for religious leaders, they were stealing people away from the one true oh, God. I, I, I mean, I I, I I get that part. I I, okay. I wonder why uh, why the uh, attachment because I mean it's kind of covered on, uh, under the word thief. I wonder why specifically uh, uh, bandit was more uh, the word uh, associated. I think so that Jesus would be clear. I'm not just talking about a sheep stealer mm-hmm. in terms of an animal. I'm talking about people who mislead people away from God mm-hmm. or lead people away from God. Mm-hmm. That, in other words, it's, it's to once again say, look, don't take this literally, dudes. This, this is about... <laughs> My this is about those guys you went out to listen to because it was entertaining, and you started saying, hey, man, that, guy might, that guy might have a good idea. If you didn't follow him, sort of like what was said in the book of Acts and the book of Peter over the last couple of weeks, more credit to you, but enough people did that it hampered God's love being spread effectively. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's... Uh, um... In, in in the context of the rest of John, uh, where where does this land? Does that give us any context of what, why he takes time to um, address uh, the false prophets who came before? Like, what prompted this topic uh, to appear? Like, did he just sit people down and be like, "Let me tell you"? <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I mean? Because it's kind of it's it's a very specific topic. Um, um, any idea, any context clues as to why this came up um, and, and was uh, something he wanted to, to say? Well, what's in, so I feel like I've been saying this phrase every three minutes today. What's interesting here is <laughs> that the next major passage, I mean, just like three verses later, is Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem at the Feast of the Dedication. This is not just before he's crucified in the Gospel of John, it looks like John sees Jesus' public ministry as lasting three years, whereas in Mark it's one year. Mm-hmm. And Jesus doesn't go to the temple in Mark until Holy Week, as we now call it, just before he died. Whereas in John, he's popping in and out of the temple repeatedly. So you know, the temple is the, the footstool of God, and so that makes it an uh, appropriate transition to have a um, dig at the false prophets and false messiahs before going to the God's living room to pray gotcha. at the feast of the dedication. Right. So, so this is a, a clear separation from other prophets and messiahs who came uh, before him, uh, an explanation of who they were and who he is 
and then in the next in the next uh, um, um, couple of verses, proof like more physical proof, he went and 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 spent time in the temple where he, where it yeah. is that he belongs. Yeah, interesting. His, his father's house is the term that he often uses in John. Right. Interesting. Okay, I was I was just kind of wondering, like, because uh, it, it, it's one of those topics that it, it otherwise would seem like, well, that was kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but if it does it, it has a narrative flow to it, then so that, right. that makes some sense. Right. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, I'm sure there's more uh, in John that we could discuss, uh, but. Uh, We'll have to leave it until we pick them up next week. That's right. So, um, anything this this will basically conclude our our podcast for May third, twenty twenty, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Uh, we will have uh, our uh, online worship available uh, uh, Sunday afternoon, or Sunday Saturday Saturday afternoon at four o'clock uh, p.m. on our YouTube channel HFEC videos. There will be links uh, on our website, uh, hfec.org, uh, as well as uh, copies of the bulletin. And um, any, anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh, Kathy Gray will be giving the sermon this coming week. So Fantastic. if you especially like her sermons better than mine. Finally, a this, good this one. Is, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is the time to, to participate. <laughs> You heard it I here like first. hers better than mine, so I don't blame anyone else for it. You, you heard it here first. A good sermon this Sunday. That's right. From Deacon Kathy. Uh, de- de- or, no, no, you're talking about uh, uh, Reverend Kathy. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking Deacon, uh, Deacon oh, Kathy. Oh, she knocked it out. Yeah, uh, Kathy Scott's sermon. She knocked it out of the park a couple of weeks ago. Le- either Kathy, we both agree, both of their sermons are better than yours. <laughs> Many a Sunday, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, we're looking well, forward to it. Well, there that. is the old joke of the you know, the any preacher likes someone else's sermon better because they didn't have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> I I can understand that. I I can I I I can I I feel you there. Uh, simply putting together the um the the online worship videos uh makes me like other people's a lot better than I do. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I, I I totally get it. Uh, so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's exciting. Something, something to look forward to in the week, uh, and which is Definitely. honestly what we need at this point in time is yeah. things to look forward to. Um, you know, and just one thing we haven't said before that hopefully is, well, anyway, that, uh, all of the past online worship experiences are kept on YouTube. We never yes. take them down. So if you need an extra blast, you can, um, binge watch Holy Family mm-hmm. Worship. And hopefully that'll help you get through a bad day. Absolutely. And, and one of the best um, um, little uh, side bonuses for those videos, uh, they are ad-free. They will always be oh, yeah. ad-free. So uh, uh, if you're looking for a YouTube video that isn't interrupted every five minutes uh, with some sort of M&M's commercial or something, uh, go... If you're lucky. Go, go. <laughs> right, if you're lucky. <laughs> go watch... Go watch our videos. They are completely ad-free. Um, so uh, that's a, a, a fun bonus feature for it. Uh, and, and Bruce promised a prize for the first person to watch all of them. <laughs> didn't didn't I tell win. me what, they were, what it was. <laughs> didn't tell me what it was, but definitely said that there was some very highly valuable prize that he would buy 
and pay for out of his own pocket. So that's it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure uh, glad no one ever listens to this. That's right. No one, no one will ever know. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, uh, with that uh, joke aside, we will end our podcast for um, May 3rd, 2020. Uh, We look forward to uh, seeing you online or uh, hearing that you enjoyed the worship uh, online uh, at some point in time. Uh, Again, I hope that you are all safe and home and healthy. Uh, You and your loved ones are uh, close and uh, um, as stress reduced as possible. Um, but, uh, uh, if, if, uh, you have any needs, uh, still feel free to reach out to the church. We are still operating just, uh, at, 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 in a different way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.